All right. Technology sucks. Peter King sucks. Al Michael sucks. The Eagles suck. <laughs> this is flying high. Send request is the only thing who does not suck. Play us in. <laughs> Welcome to a special Monday night, Tuesday morning edition of Flying High, the Philly fans' perspective. We just dealt with some technical difficulties trying to get started recording here, but we're fired up from last night's Eagles game against Dallas, so we we have to make this happen. We went through everything. We've been on the computer for like 30 minutes, almost an hour, trying to figure it out. But here we are. Justin, what on earth is going on? with technology or with the eagles because there's everything i have thoughts on both now Uh, i'll tell you that's one way to spend a sunday night i don't know about you i think you were or or you were you were probably done your golf tournament at that point but uh so we both probably had the extreme displeasure of sitting through that abomination that was a football game last night and i tell you what i'm still not over it Oh my God! Yeah, so I I'm in Greensboro. We had a I work at a golf tour, and we had our our biggest event of the year, which is like a four day thing. So I've been working like six a.m. to seven p.m. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, I was so happy that the birds were playing at eight twenty because it was actually a time period where I could watch the game, and I'm going into it thinking. We are going to kill Dallas. This is the beginning of the new second half of the season, the new team. I'm tired as could be from working all day. It's like 40 degrees and windy out, and I know it's going to rain the next day. So I'm like, this is my time to just focus and and just be happy, watch the birds, and then that happens. And I mean, I, I don't. <laughs> I, this is going to be real emotional, and we I, I think we got a, we got a lot to say, and we want to try to keep it short tonight because we want to hit it on the regular pod tomorrow. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I and I went on record and saying, you know, I thought the Eagles were going to smash the Cowboys last night. I thought they were just going to, you know, to come out of the bye. I thought they were going to come in there and just stomp that team because the, the Cowboys are awful. Let's let's not let's be real here. The Cowboys are not a good football team, and the the Eagles inexplicably just to quote the great Dennis Green, just let them off the hook. You know, the Cowboys are who we who we think they are. We know who That's... the Cowboys are, but who are who is this Eagles team? Who who are these guys? I don't understand what we're watching. And I... quite uh, quite frankly, it's beyond embarrassing. I mean, uh, we, we talk about the Cowboys and it's pretty obvious to me at least, and I think to everybody else watching that isn't a Dallas fan, that this Cowboys team is not good, and I don't think that that win should really justify the fact that Jason Garrett probably saved his job. But who the Eagles are is is such a, such a mind-boggling question right now. We're going to get to it, but I just want to open up by mentioning Peter King and Al Michaels, both of NBC, uh-huh. And how how just I, I don't know if if they 
don't understand like so let, let me just I'll give background information first going in after the first half ended uh you know Al Michael says on air and I'll quote well it's Philadelphia what have you done for me lately forget the Lombardi and that was in response to Eagles fans booing them going into the tunnel after an atrocious first half felt like one of the it, I don't know what it felt like it was one of the worst first halves I have seen all season in a season of terrible moments. That was one of the most painful 30 minutes of football I've ever seen. You know what? I I have something to say to you, Al Michaels and Peter King. I don't know if you know what it's like to be a fan of, of, of a professional sports franchise. I'm going to go ahead and guess that you don't. It's easy to sit up there in your cozy little booth sitting next to that idiot Chris Collinsworth. But to, to, to go ahead and say that and make that idiotic statement, let me tell you something. People pay good money to sit in those seats, okay? This is a business. This is what have you done for me lately. And let, let me tell you something. This, this doesn't mean that Doug Peterson will ever have to buy a drink in the city again. He won't. No one will ever forget what Doug Peterson did or what those players did for this team or for this city. We will never forget it. But that does not absolve the coaches, the players, or the team from going out and doing what they did last night, which was to wildly underperform and put on display a product that was quite frankly beyond, way beyond embarrassing. So you know what? The fans have every right to boo. And that's, that's I have a lot more to say, but you know what? That's how I feel about it. Yeah, and, and just to give background to what Peter King said, he actually tweeted today labeling the Eagles fans his uh, goat of the week, which I guess is some sort of bash or, or something. I'm not exactly certain what it is. But he goes, Eagles fans, Philadelphia, goat of the week. For booing the Eagles off the field at halftime in week 10, it hasn't been the season you'd want in Philly, and you're losing to the Cowboys toothlessly 13-3. to But booing the crap out of the team that delivered a stirring Super Bowl win nine months ago, Bush League. Like, are you kidding me? It's kind of like the same concept as to why they took that Super Bowl sign out of the locker room at the beginning of the season because it's great that they brought us that championship and it tasted so sweet in the off season. But it's a new season. It's a new year. Why should we accept losing simply because we won last year? This is a new season. It's a fresh start. We need to put the past in the past and have the future be now we're uh, living in the present now we don't need to sit back and relive the glory days as the freaking dallas cowboys not just any dallas cowboys team it's an it's a dallas cowboy team that is less it's they're they're subpar at best you know they're not good dak prescott is not good and the Eagles let them off the hook like you said they <laughs> let them off the hook and it's so frustrating to me personally, because as I as we sit here saying this, we'll we'll bash Dallas and to give them credit where credit is due. A Zeke played okay, and 
B, they beat us. Like, there's no way we can defend the fact that they beat us. But it comes off as I'm a bitter Eagles fan who just thinks Dallas is not good. But Dak Prescott is not a player that should be beating this Eagles team. No. At all. No. No. And... But, you know, going back to what, what, what those two uh, Jamokes said, uh, you know, by that logic, why play why play this the season afterwards? I mean, hey, we won the Super Bowl. Great. Let's take a season off. Why, I mean, might as well if if we're not going to be allowed to get mad at or, or to get down on our team when they play like crap, why even play this season? Why just take a season off? We'll come back in 2019. I mean, that's basically what you're saying. We have that 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 we, the, when you win the Lombardi trophy, that the next season is a free pass. Uh, I, I'm sorry. I don't agree with that. And uh, that's, that's not how, that's not how we as Philadelphians view, view things. That's not, we're ever, we're never going to be like that. I think that's also kind of what sets apart the Philadelphia fans from your average sports fan is that they're going to hold their team their players and their coaches accountable. And we're going to let them know exactly what we think. We're not going to sugarcoat it by being telling them, oh, it's okay, you guys won us the championship last year. It's like, no, you guys are playing god-awful. We know you're better than this because we've seen it last year. It's like winning the championship actually makes this sort of effort so much worse because we know this exact same coaching staff is able to game plan better and better prepare and have more fire. Same thing with the players. They have the ability to go out there, but they are just not hungry enough. And it's our job as fans. I mean, it's not technically our job as fans, but in (laughs) Philadelphia, it is our job as fans to hold them accountable and let them know and boo the living snot out of them when they show up and give a half-assed effort against a terrible Dallas Cowboys team that the coach should have been fired once we stomped all over them in the game last night. Uh, listen, I, I, and, and I honestly, I, I dare you to find a player in that locker room that would say that they were proud of that effort. I, I find me one, find me one player that if you, I mean, I, I seriously hope there is nobody in that locker room that was happy with that effort, honestly, because that's even, that's scary to me because that was, that wasn't football. We watched last night. It wasn't football, and I don't know. I, honestly, man, I have so many questions about this team right now. I have so many questions about where where we're going. Like where we're going. I mean, again, and, and I, I like reiterate, reiterate. You know, we we say all the time, it's so hard to win in this league um, for this reason. But this is not a case of you know a team is doing all the right things and and the it's just not falling their way. Way. This is not, this is a bad football team right now. And I think there's some people out there who would say this is a good fo- football team playing badly. I don't know that we can continue to say this is a good football team. They're, they haven't proven that they're – they just lost three games at home. They're not, not a good football team. And, and the stadium was packed. You know, the stage was set. Everybody was excited – like I said before, coming off the bye week, we're expecting this to be the second half of the season where we come out and it's a new year. It's a new team. They're re-energized, revitalized. And to me, they came out sluggish. They didn't show up for the challenge. And 
aside from like a little spurt of effort in the second half, they never really had that fiery, excited, refreshed look any time last night. No, no, they they looked like quite honestly. And I hate to say this, and I, I don't like to, to accuse players, but I will. I will call players out when when, when I, I call it how I see it. And they looked, they looked indifferent. You know what I mean? They they look. It's it's like you said. They they did that hunger. We talked about this last time. The hunger is not there. I don't I don't see it. And to me, that's that's coaching. That is coaching. I mean, I know these guys are professional athletes, and I know they get paid millions of dollars, and and a coach can only do so much. But I. I we're not seeing the same Doug right now either. And I was just thinking about this as I was outside. I was walking my dog and I started typing stuff on my phone. And I was like, you know, what's Doug's rope right at right now? You know, and it seems crazy to question that after he brought us a, a, a Lombardi trophy. And I do think that Doug has earned himself leeway. I, I do think that. I think that he brought us a championship. He has earned himself some time and and I don't think it would be fair to start questioning whether or not he's the right guy or any of that crap because that's just crap but I do think it's appropriate to start questioning what Doug the preparation of the coaches and and, and how they're getting this team ready to play football on Sunday I think the yeah, absolutely the preparation is key and he stated again that they have to finish he in his post game press conference he mentioned they need to finish and they need to finish in practice when he was talking about drives and, and scoring on drives and how they need to finish in practice and is that kind of him telling us without telling us that they're not even showing up to practice and you know finishing their drives and showing any sort of results in practice because if they're not showing it in practice they're not going to be showing it on the field come game time I don't know, you know, and you, you listen to a lot of the beats, like guys like Ruben Frank, you know, they, they who have watched this team through camp. You know, I think a guy like Ruben, you know, he's been on record on his podcast saying, you know, he, he, he never saw any indication that this team wasn't prepared or wasn't mentally focused throughout camp. So it's just kind of, it's just really bizarre. Um, and Doug is a guy who's going to protect his guys, right? And I, and I like that about him. He's not going to give any put anybody down in a press conference, and he's certainly not going to give too much information away. So, I mean, I don't think we're, gonna, we're just not going to get a lot out of him. I, 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 I honestly, when I watched that press conference last night, I saw a frustrated guy. I did. I, I think, uh, and he doesn't wear it on his sleeve. He's pretty good at that. But I saw a guy, a coach who was obviously let down by that performance and probably probably pretty concerned but i don't know that he has a lot of answers right now and i think he's doing a lot of inward searching right now i think he's he, he's got a lot of questions he's got to answer himself um over these de- next couple of days because it's he doesn't have frank reich anymore he doesn't have john d filippo anymore and it's it's on him you know what i mean he he promoted mike grow he promoted press taylor so these moves, these in the you know these uh, interior moves are on him. It's all on him right now. So I think I don't I don't know if he's feeling the pressure or not, but it certainly looked like a guy who he's, he's got he's got some frustration that's starting to peek through the cracks. You know, he definitely does. And for me, I know as a, Doug does not have a very confrontational attitude whatsoever, but. Perhaps at some point, you know, light a fire under a guy's butt on the field. 
get try and get somebody riled up by calling them out for not finishing or in Jim Schwartz's case, get on your guys about not tackling. Like it's just, it seems like the coaches are sitting back and watching this happen, not making the right adjustments and then not even calling, not, not calling out. I don't want to say calling out, but I know in my time playing sports and I never made it above really the high school level in any sport. But when the coach came at you with any just kind of challenging you to go out there and be better, that lit a fire under your butt to go out there and give just that little bit more effort that not even you knew you had to give. And they kind of don't seem like they're doing that whatsoever. No. And when you, you know, and I know we're going to get into this more in depth tomorrow, but you know, when, when we talk about a guy like Jim Schwartz, He's not a guy, I don't know about you, he's not a guy that inspires a ton of confidence or grit or motivation or whatever word you want to throw in there. Uh, I, I'm, 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 at my, I'm done with, with Jim Schwartz right now, i got to be honest with you. Um, and uh, I'm just going to come out and say it, I'm done with the guy. Uh, he's made zero adjustments this year. Um, he was bailed out, and I'm just going to be frank with you, he was bailed out by the offense last year. Um, we know that his his defense is, is bent, but don't break. And, you know, let's be honest. When the Eagles were trouncing teams offensively last year, we didn't really have to worry too much about the defense. Yes, we noticed that they like to give up chunk plays and and they would they would give up a lot between the 20s. But the offense, when Wentz and the offense was putting up, you know, 30, 35 points a week, it didn't matter. Now they're averaging 22 points a game and losing. And the defense, whenever they're asked to come up, with any play whatsoever, just when you just need to make a stop, they have nothing. And Jim Swartz has no answer. He's got no answer. His third and long defense is a sham. I would love to just vomit every time that I watch, you know, six guys line up at the first down marker on a third and 15. Like you're just going to give them 15 yards to work with and hope that in that time, Somebody makes a tackle before they get anywhere near the first down marker. Dude, that's that's high school. I'm sorry. That is high school defense. It does not work in the NFL, and everybody knows how to beat it. You're talking about coming up against the Saints next week. Alvin Kamara might go off for 200 yards. Are you kidding me? I mean, th- this is th- this is the NFL. When has this defense ever worked in the NFL? When can you ever are you ever just able to play the sticks and just dare a team to beat you? And they're like, every every offensive coordinator is just going to go, oh, oh, okay, we'll we'll take that. Like it doesn't make any sense. I, I I don't get he doesn't make he hasn't made a single adjustment. I'm sorry, I'm angry, I'm I'm losing my words. I I'm 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 done with Jim Schwartz. And you know what? To be honest with you, the guys he's got back there are garbage. I'm sorry, they are. Ronald Darby. Jalen Mills wasn't playing, but you know what? Who, who, who do we have out there? We Chandel Sullivan. What do we? We got we got guys named Chandel Sullivan out there. We could just we're just making up names and throwing guys out there. We got Chandler Bing out there. Like you got Brandall Chambly, the guy from the Golf Channel's out there. I, like, what is going on? I, I know that we're undermanned with the defense, but there's you don't have a single guy that can play at this level. Dude, like at, when when people were calling for Jim Schwartz's head early on in the season, I had his back. I wanted everybody to calm down. You know, it was early on. Defense was struggling, but it was more on the players than the coaches. 
after watching this game last night and just seeing the look on his face, I have never wanted to just take my fist and smash it through a hotel television <laughs> like I did last night. Watching this guy on third and 15 line guys up at the first down marker. And, and you say that's high school. I watched a lot of high school football games, and I don't think I've ever seen that passive of an approach on a third and 15. For I God's mean, sakes. I mean, have, did you see Dak Prescott all night whenever they brought any sort of pressure? He was fumbling the ball without anybody touching him. Luckily, he picked it up and threw it away for the Cowboys. But he has no idea what to do when you bring pressure. So why not bring at least five guys and see what he does? Because he's probably going to throw it away. He just won't do it, man. He, he he's so stubborn. He won't do it. This is this is. And my dad tried to warn me about this guy for years. Tried to tell me he's arrogant. All the way going back to the Lions. Went all the way back to when he was coaching the Lions. There's a reason this guy doesn't have a head coaching job. And uh, I think you're starting to see it now. Uh, and if I'm Doug, honestly, I'm pulling him in my office and say, you better start making some some adjustments because you know this is unacceptable. And you want to keep your job. You better, you better figure it out. You better start sending four guys, five guys. The, the linebackers are invisible. I mean, you've got – you have nobody past your line that can make a play. You, you just and, – and that might not be fair to a good player like Jordan Hicks, but he wasn't anywhere last night either. No, this, he has not showed up all season. Jordan this, Hicks has been invisible all season. This defense is a sham. They're a, they're frauds. I'm sorry. They were bailed out last year. They allowed 500 yards to the Patriots. The only reason why we won the Super Bowl is because of Nick Foles and the game plan that Doug Peterson and Frank Wright came up with. It wasn't due to the defense. They made a good play when it mattered. That's it. Fire take. Sorry. And that's what that's what it is. I it's completely agreeable. The only thing that I could see that is different this season is missing out on Michael Kendricks in that linebacking core. And also that Nigel Bradham is just a, a fragment, a small piece of what he used to be. Like la what we saw out of Nigel Bradham last year has just completely disappeared in the 2018 season. And I don't know if that has something to do with it. Also, you have the Bo Allen, Vinnie Curry losses, which the defensive line is the only part of the team that is performing. But perhaps if they had those players, they would be getting to the quarterback more. I'm, I'm not. I really. I'm, I'm mind blown right now. I understand that the secondary is beaten up. One thing that I did notice was Rasul Douglas looked like absolute garbage. So I can understand now why the coaches haven't been putting him on the field. Yeah, I mean, you definitely, you know, you know, you don't have Curry anymore, and uh, you know, you don't have Fat Thor anymore. Um, but uh, you know, yeah, and Douglas. So those those obviously hurt. But you know, Douglas last night, you know, he's proving every week that he he can't play at this level. And who's the buffoon who air tackled, tried to air tackle Zeke? And it was that, that Trey Sullivan. Yep, that's Trey Sullivan. And I. I guess this is a good time to kind of get into a little bit of specifics. I just wanted to go through prior to that air tackle. We'll, we'll get, we'll get talking about that, but there was a defensive set where it's three, nothing Dallas. Uh, they got the ball back first and 10 Bruget Hill 
has a pick six in his hands. It's at the Dallas eight, four minutes, 22 seconds left in the first quarter. He has the pick six in his hands. And I understand you're a linebacker and you're a defender. You might have rocks for hands, but you just have to capitalize on that. You have to catch that ball and you have to run it into the end zone because it's seven, three Eagles. The crowd erupts and it is a completely different ball game. Uh, I couldn't agree more. That that was one play that I saw that was a turning point. And the other one was, I think it was Darby who, uh, you know, he, he, he met, I forget who it was Cooper. He met Cooper, you know, three yards before uh, the, the first down marker. And it looked like, you know, all he has to do is wrap up this tackle and he's going to drive him into the sideline and he, they're going to, they're going to have to punt. Instead, he throws his shoulder into him and, like Cooper, you know, spins out of it like he's been practicing, you know, doing the most of his career. And Darby's just like, well, well, I don't know what happened, but, uh, you know, I tried to tackle him with my shoulder. It's like, dude, what are you doing? What? Tackle him. Wrap. Grab him and wrap him up. I, I almost lost my mind. I, honestly, I that that nothing drives me crazier than lazy tackling. And that's exactly what that was. And that was a play that cost the Eagles. I don't think that they scored on that, but it, it, it extended the drive. I mean, it kept the defense on the field. It's just a symptom of, of so many other things that went wrong last night. And, uh, um, unfortunately this is a podcast. Otherwise, if there was any sort of video or anything, you would have seen me just shaking my head, uh, violently right there because I could not agree. Like, like I, I have the exact same thought because that Darby play was kind of like a follow-up to Gruget Hill's play. It was two plays later after that first and 10 when he should have had to pick six. Darby, like, I don't know about you, but that was a flashback to an Asante Samuel-esque tackle where he just, like, threw his shoulder out. And, and what's so frustrating to me is when Chris Collinsworth is, like, praising Cooper as if he just... He's so talented because he broke that tackle and it was such a big hit on Darby and he just bounced off it. It wasn't a big hit. He had an opportunity for it to be a big hit if he would have just wrapped him up with his arms instead of looking down and throwing his weak-ass shoulder into the guy, letting him bounce off for the first down. Uh, yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I, honestly, I wish there was a mute button for Collinsworth. That guy is such an idiot. Uh, I don't. I, honestly, I can't. Listen, sitting through that Super Bowl was one of the one of the most painful yet uh, joyous things I've ever done in my life. I, it's it's hard to add put those two things together, but uh, good good Christ, I hate Collinsworth. Oh, I mean, mighty. just listening to him, you know, have a little session of like man crushing on Vander Ash for Dallas is. Oh my God, give me like, a break. Like, uh, and we're gonna be we're still talking about the defense, but I'm gonna switch to offense for one second because we're on the Chris Collinsworth is garbage train. The play on third down where they threw it to a uh, little screen pass to uh, Clement, and he was hit behind the line, which perhaps it wasn't the right play call at the time. But really, the reason that play failed is because uh, Kelsey and Brooks were just late getting over. The The play call was clearly designed for them to get outside. They were just late getting over. And Van Der Esch happened to be the guy in the backfield to tackle him. And Chris Collinsworth is like getting ready to induct him to the Hall of Fame as the greatest draft pick ever 
in Dallas history because he made one tackle on a play where the Eagles offensive linemen were sluggish getting out to block. I think I was watching like a like a Dolphins Browns game in like 2016 one time and I swear to God he was like wow you know Sean Lee he's really just such a great presence back there I was like well Chris uh, the Dallas isn't playing today buddy so it's like just like, shut up man like God he's just such a Oh, he's such a tool. I hate that guy. But anyway, I, I, before before my opinions really digress here uh, and, uh, you know, devolve into uh, just nonsense. Um, yeah, the offensive line wasn't good. Uh, and, you know, we kind of knew that they were going to they were they were going to struggle without Lane. But, uh, you know, Peters gets beat on that on one of the first plays and, uh, you know, and it badly gets beaten by um, their edge rusher. I forget his name now, but uh, and you're just like, oof, man, this 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 could be a long game. And I think they got better. Obviously, they got better in the second half. But, um, not, you know, it just brings me back to nothing. Nothing about this team is the same right now, dude. Nothing is the same. They're not the same team mentally, physically, coaching wise. And like I said, I, I, I truly 100% believe the biggest difference, the biggest thing that, that we're seeing right now is, is that the offense is not able to make up for the defensive deficiencies. It's the same defense. It, it, it's, you know, have, have teams figured it out a little bit more? There's probably some truth to that. I think, I think teams can clearly see now that all you need to do is throw the short to intermediate route underneath and you can get chunk yardage. I mean, you can, it's, it's second and it's second and four or second and three every single time, because all you have to do is throw underneath. Um, the linebackers won't be there. The corners are playing seven yards off the line. Uh, that, that to me is mind boggling in of itself. I, press somebody, hit somebody off the line. I mean, I, I don't, I'm not a defensive coordinator, but I've been watching football long enough to, to, to sit there and, and watch what this defense is doing and just – all I can do is shake my head. They're not the same team. I think um, we have to start reevaluating our opinion of this team. And, uh, you know, we're, you know, I think we, we thought this team was going to be 10-6, and six, and now I think we have to hope they're going to be 6-10. and 10. Yeah, and they don't seem to know how to stop a slant. That's really – Quite crazy that every time on third down, it's just a simple completion on a slant pass. Every time, like, just no adjustments made whatsoever. I think that, you know, even a guy like Dak is looking at, you know, Douglas or whoever's playing corner playing seven yards off when it's third and two. And they're like, oh, well, they're, they're just going to give us that? Okay. They're, I mean, uh, it's, I, and, and I don't, yeah, I don't get it. Uh, Jim. Jim has a lot to answer for, and I think it's quite fair to to speculate if he's going to be here after this year. And 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 again, I know people at first glance are going to say, "Well, that's not fair. He brought you a championship." Did he though? Like, I think you really need to take a look at that the film from that Super Bowl because uh, defense really wasn't played a whole lot. Uh, I think there was one punt. So I think people need to get off their high horse about uh, you know, oh, Jim Schwartz bought us a championship. Uh, yeah, he was on the coaching staff when they won, <laughs> but uh, you know, listen, this is again, it just this, it's not the same team. It's the same defense. It's not the same offense, and that's the biggest reason why we're seeing what we're seeing. Yeah, absolutely. And before we go anywhere else, I just do want to get back to that Trey Sullivan, um, his little conundrum because I feel like he really does need to be called out 
a, a huge play, not the human hurdle, which was hilarious in and of itself, but a play that I that I think is overlooked, or I'm not sure if it's overlooked, but Trey Sullivan's role in this play was overlooked on fourth down when the Cowboys decide to fake punt it, which I, honest to God, got to give him a little bit of credit. That was kind of a ballsy call that I didn't see coming. But Trey Sullivan first backs, like takes a few steps back, notices what's happening. He jumps up and he makes contact at the line of scrimmage, which was, I believe, two yards from the first down marker, makes contact with them and is just bullied like a little bitch to the first down marker. Like, all he had to do is make the tackle like a normal NFL player, and it stops that. Then Jason Garrett looks like an idiot for going for it. The Eagles get the ball back in good field position, and once again, it's a different game. But instead... He gets bullied. He's not able to tackle the guy. And, you know, we all know how the game ended. Yeah, it was it was not a pretty play. And uh, just kind of a microcosm of a lot of things last night. And, and uh, I don't know, man. I, I've, I've exa- I think I've exhausted that original, uh, <laughs> that original flame that I had before we were getting started here because I've been holding in all day and, uh, it's just, it's so frustrating. I just didn't think we'd be here. And and now I'm starting to get to the point now where I'm, I'm just like, uh, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't want to be here. I, I didn't think we would be here. I, I thought we were better than this and we're, we're clearly not. And I'll tell you what, professional sports, it's, uh, you're the king one minute and you're a pauper the next, you know, and that's, uh, it's rags to riches real quick. And, uh, man, uh, just don't know what's next. Yeah, you couldn't you could not be more correct with that statement and had we hooked up the podcast 2 seconds after the game ended, I think uh not safe for work would be an understatement as to yeah. the thoughts that were running through my head and so I was actually I was watching it in the hotel and uh my coworker uh was he fell asleep very early in the game so I had to yell at myself inside my head but as soon as the last play ended which in and of itself uh, was what the hell was that call? What, what are you doing there in that situation? But anyways, you shouldn't be in that situation. Shut the TV off immediately. And I just started contemplating like my priorities in life. And, <laughs> and like the fact that I knew that this Eagles game was going to affect me for, it's going to affect me for weeks to come. It really yeah. is. It affected me all yeah. day and it, it was raining all day. So that didn't help. But like this is, the uh, this kind of goes back to where we started where Philadelphia fans this is more than just a sports game to us this is our life you know this is oh, the one is, thing yeah. the one thing that actually means the world to us every single day this is this is our like you said this is our lives i mean this is what these this is what people in this city live for i mean this is what being a four for four fan is you live and die with every team in this city i live and die with every team in this city and that that, that's not lip service you know what i mean like i'm generally i I didn't talk to people for a week when the flyers lost the stanley cup in 2010 you know what i mean like I was I was a little bit younger when the Eagles lost those those three consecutive NFC championships, and so I think it. I still have nightmares about Joe Jurevicius running down the sideline, but as I've gotten older, 
you know, my, my, my four for four fandom has grown to the point where it hurts, man. It hurts a, a lot. And that's why this is the Philadelphia. This is, the, this is the uh, fans perspective podcast, right? Because we come on here and, and we, we let it bleed uh, like, like a real fan. We're real fans. And so, yes, this hurts. We care. And you know what? Al Michaels and Peter King, you know, you guys can go kick rocks for all I care, you know, as far as I'm concerned, because you don't get it. And to be quite honest, I really don't care that you don't get it. We get it. That's what matters. Yeah. And we just, we bleed green. And I think something that's different with the Eagles than any other sport is that there's 16 games. That makes every game so much more meaningful. And when you're dropping them in the fashion that the Eagles dropped it this week, it's like, it's just check off another way to lose a game that you didn't think was possible. Yep. Yep. And yeah. I, it's just, uh, and like I was laying on the couch last night, um, you know, cause I'd work the next morning. So I, when these late games, I try to just like lay on the couch and, and catch some disease, but, uh, I'm still half conscious and I'm still listening to it and just, you know, I'm like silently balling my fist up and like pumping it when they're coming back. And I'm like, all right, we got this. And, you know, we're, we're going to get it. We're going to go off into that good night. And then Ertz comes up short and I just I just threw the I turned it off and threw the remote. Honestly, I don't even know where I threw it, but I just threw it and I just I went to sleep because I was just like, this can't be happening. I, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and the Eagles are, are going to be five and four. And uh, obviously that didn't come true. But yeah, man, it. uh I don't have a lot of uh, I don't have an explanation for what happened last night. I, I, I've given you what I think is is the problem with this team right now, and um, I think that's a you know uh, that's as educated of, as a, as a guess as I can get. Um, and I don't you know, and I know we're going to break it down a little bit more tomorrow, and probably be a little less emotional, a little more logical. But uh, uh, that's where I'm at right now, and uh, there's just not a lot of positives we can we can take out of this Carson played well, you know, he, well, he, his stats were, his stats were good. His I'll say stats that. Stats were good. There you go. His stats were good, but the eye test is telling me, and, and we're going to touch on a lot more of this tomorrow, especially that we have so much to go over with the offense because we focused a lot on the defense tonight because that the Dallas defense is respectable. I'll give them that, but this Dallas offense is not good and we were eaten alive defensively which shouldn't come as a surprise to be quite frank but i'm still surprised tomorrow we'll touch on the offense a little bit more so i won't get too into that but and from what i saw carson especially in that first half just some poor decision making uh some bad throws and really not the urgency i didn't see any urgency out of this offense like if they played every snap and every down as if they were down seven points or 14 points like they did in the second half, we'd be up 30. It's, yep. it's quite obvious that this offense has the ability to strike with fire, especially running a no huddle offense and at a fast pace. It's boom, boom, boom. Carson has it in him to just go off on an unbelievable stretch and throw the perfect pass six times in a row to six different weapons that they have. But that sense of urgency only seems to be there this year when we're down 14 points and late in the third quarter. Yeah, uh, and, and I'm going to – yeah, I think – 
you're right. There's no urgency. Um, they shoot themselves in the foot far too often. Carson's been guilty of that too. Um, but I'm also going to talk about tomorrow why this team needs a number one running back. And it's why one of their prime targets besides offensive line needs to be running back in this, in this upcoming draft. Um, and if we are fortunate to get a top 10 pick, which would suck because that means our season sucked, it needs to be a running back in my opinion. Um, and, and, and I'll save that for, again, save that for tomorrow, but, uh, that's, it's a big reason why our offense is inept right now, in my opinion. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, something that I, I, I wrote a piece way back um, before I was even writing for Section 2 on 5. I was writing for a different blog, and it was about the upcoming draft and how where they needed to focus was running back. And an option that they had was to trade up a little bit in that second round to get someone like Nick Chubb. And when I watch him go off this week for uh, Cleveland, it makes me want to vomit um, even more than than just watching the Eagles. So it's it's that kind of thing where I'm not sure we were thinking ahead after winning the Super Bowl. I think they basked in the glory for a little bit too long and didn't really think about the key players that were leaving, like LeGarrette Blunt, Who is not doing that well in Detroit right now, but, uh, uh, you know, it, it worked last year. It just worked. Um, the guys they had worked well with – you know, the, the, the game scripts and the, the, you know, the game, the, the game plans that Doug and, and Frank came up with. And, uh, you're just, it's not the same this year. You know, you, you're, you can't roll out Clement and, um, I'm blanking, but you, you can't roll out Josh Adams, Clement and Smallwood. It's Smallwood. just, it's not, it's not good enough. It's not good enough. No team is afraid of guys like that. You know, they're, they're all decent players, but they're, none of them are good enough. And, uh, it's a huge reason why a lot of pressure is on Carson, and it has to change. It is what it is for right now. It's not going to change for this year, but it they need a, a different strategy going into next year. So uh, real quickly, I want to touch on um, a poll we put up on Twitter today. Uh, there's still eight hours left, so we're going to post this podcast and uh, share it around if you have not heard. We are Flying High, the Philly Fans Perspective. You can find us on Twitter at Flying High Pod. That's P H L Y I N G High Pod. So the Twitter poll asked Were we as Eagles fans so confident going to last night's game because we believed we were good, we wished we were good, or we tried to trick ourselves into thinking we were good? So give us your thoughts definitely on that. I personally think that we just, we really truly believed coming out of this bye that we were going to be a, a different team, a better team. But at this point, maybe we were just trying to trick ourselves into thinking that a team that is clearly not the same as last year was going to magically turn it around with one bye week. Well, the writing was on the wall, right? And, uh, you know, I think every every warning sign was there. I think we, we – we did a good job convincing ourselves that we needed time to, to rest and that we just needed to get that win and go off into the bye and just collect ourselves and, and, and just kind of giving ourselves lip service that, uh, you know, championship teams sometimes need this and they figure it out. And there's truth to that. You know, some, you look at the Patriots, how many times have the Patriots been declared left for dead? So, um, when they got blown out by the chiefs on Monday night football two years ago and they end up back in the super bowl. So it, it's, it's not, 
out of the of the realm of uh, it's not uncommon for that to happen. So I think we weren't fooling ourselves too much by saying, hey, maybe this team just needs to recharge a little bit. But I think last night was every um, was everybody's worst nightmare come true uh, in that this team really isn't as good as we thought it was. It's a different season. Things aren't clicking the way that they were before um, for you know a variety of reasons. And I think we just need to understand now that, that this team is very much what it is. The product on the field is what it is. It's probably not going to change a whole lot, especially looking at the schedule. And so we kind of just need to strap in here. And uh, I, I don't know. Listen, I wish I could say, hey, you know, we're, we're still going to make the playoffs and finish nine and seven. Anything can happen, but uh, I think we need to prepare for the worst. I think we also need to prepare for uh, five and eleven or six and ten. Yeah, I think we absolutely need to prepare for that. But for I was talking to my dad on the phone uh, before this podcast, and I don't know if I'm so stupid of a Philadelphia sports fan that I just can't accept the fact that our team is not good, but a small small tiny spectacle or speck I'm sorry a tiny speck a little grain of sand inside of me believes we can still pull it together and make some sort of run towards the playoffs well I mean I think you have to as a fan you have to still hold that um you know that that possibility in your heart and your mind and and you're going to root for this team no matter what. Uh, you're, you know, if they keep losing, you're, you're still going to turn the TV on every Sunday, probably be begrudgingly. But, uh, you know, you're still going to do it because that's what being a fan means. Um, so we just have to we're in wait and see mode now. We have to see, you know, we got a tough, tough game coming up this Sunday. We're really going to see what 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 this team is made of. So the only thing I can say is that uh, the Sixers got Jimmy Butler. And uh, that's uh, pretty much the only good thing that happened this weekend. Uh, also, the Temple Owls kicked the living crap out of Houston in another shootout. So one football <laughs> team showed up to play. Um, yeah, I mean, right now, the only thoughts that we have are this defense is not that great. This offense is not explosive. This isn't the same team as last season. And I can't speak for Justin Totally, but I am absolutely dreading next Saturday uh, having to line up against Drew Brees, who's 39 years old and still uh, throws the ball as if he's a 25-year-old stud. You playing on Saturday? Did I say Saturday? You did say Saturday. I was still thinking Temple Owls. No, it's Sunday. I, I, Listen, if they play I, Saturday, at least we'll get a, I'll get a peaceful Sunday. <laughs> oh, we, we could only wish to have that kind of easy life. No, 425, they moved it back to prime time uh, bef- because they thought the Eagles were going to be good. They thought the Eagles were going to be coming off a win over Dallas and it was going to be a big showdown. But instead, the Saints killed another team. We lost a heartbreaker. And now it's just like... Eagles fans' worst nightmares. Drew Brees, uh, he's licking his chops thinking about playing against this depleted secondary. Oh my gosh! I mean, if you're Alvin Kamara, you have to be looking at you know Sean Payton's, Sean Payton sitting there being like, "Give it to me, baby." You know what I mean? He's <laughs> he's looking at he's looking at Jim Schwartz being like, "Let's go." So, yeah. I mean, we'll we'll talk about it more tomorrow. We're gonna go over some more of this Cowboys game. We're gonna preview the Saints game. 
But that team has a Kamara Ingram duo that's deadly. They have Michael Thomas, and they just signed Dez, who got hurt. So to fix that, they signed Brandon Marshall. And Drew Brees is still like in his prime. So that's what we have going for us next week. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm out of stuff to say. Today, yeah. So I'll uh, get a recharge and get back to it tomorrow. <laughs> we have exhausted our fandom tonight. This has been a special edition of Eagles ranting, flying high, the Philly fans perspective. Like I said, you can find us on Twitter at flying high pod, share us with your friends, show us to other Eagles fans who are feeling the pain tonight. Let them share their anger with us. Hashtag fan perspective on Twitter. Let us know what you're thinking. Let us know why is this Eagles team struggling so badly? Why, are, why is it the way that it is? That's all we got tonight, Justin. We'll be back tomorrow um, talking more birds, talking Sixers. I think they're still winning right now. Is Are they still? Yeah, last I think it was 87-81. All right, so close game alert, but uh, these two games don't really matter. They, they drop one to Memphis, but Jimmy Butler is coming to town Wednesday. We'll talk about that. Flyers are hot. We'll talk about that. For now, sayonara and try and sleep peacefully tonight. I know that I won't. So tell me why.